Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Graham, yeah, that wide version, that wide version is spectacular. It really is. You're right about that. Um, I've discovered my Christmas tree has about ten thousand bugs crawling from it. From it right <laughs> oh now. my god! And uh, what? Be sure what kind of farm it came from. Is but, it uh, stink bugs? Obviously okay. infested. They look like ticks. I'm not sure. Oh, oh that's, that's bad. That's no, bad. Hey man, I don't Whoa. think just because you're in a just because you're in a that bluegrass is... band, I don't think you have to keep it that real. <laughs> But they, they always wow. did, and then every once in a while, in unison, you know, they'll start moving again together. So oh I'm gonna God. get a dustpan. Fifty years of music with fifty-year-old white guys. Fellas, we are now on here in 2002. How's it going out there? Like, it's all the same digits as 2020. So if you just move a couple around, yeah, you right back into it. So. That's good. That's good, Jeff Simons. Well, we yeah. are we're usually 50 years of music with 50 year old white guys, but we've invited a guest who is not 50, uh, Graham Sharp of Steep Canyon Rangers. How are you, sir? Good, good. good. Feeling really, really young. Feeling really young. <laughs> 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 we gray on a curve, man. You just need older people with you. That's it. That's right. That's right. Well, well Graham, uh, welcome. I'm excited to have you here. Our daughters play on the same volleyball team. Uh, and, and he had heard about our podcast. And so he was wondering. No, that's not true. Exactly uh, right. <laughs> exactly I, right. I, 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 badgered, I badgered Tim for weeks about this. And uh, <laughs> I only came about. Well, he caved. So, Graham, uh, you should know that on. Um, iTunes, we're getting pretty good reviews. As a matter of fact, all of our reviews were five-star reviews until what, Ben Barton? What happened, Ben? Freaking Jeff. Last week was like, I need some two-star reviews, and now we have two-star reviews. He actually have- asked for bad reviews. I uh, Look, first of all, I said it in jest. We have one and as far as you know, it's me riling you up. It could be you, but thing. I'm flying to Here's California. We're fixing that. Here's the thing. When, you, when all you have is five-star reviews, you know it's total BS, right? You have 34 five-star reviews and nothing else. That means you got your family to review your restaurant. It's like when I Trump University- I don't have 34 people on my family. <laughs> I don't have that many people. It's like, it's like, like Trump University had a 98.7% <laughs> like approval rating. The two-star reviews prove the validity of the five-star reviews. It's totally fine. 
Jeff, uh, your emotional self-hate really hurt my feelings, man. Look, you, you have guys, to find love for yourself in your heart, and then you could accept your five-star review. Yeah. All right, we are moving on. We're moving <laughs> That's a on. Good idea. Graham, Graham on. is like, what the hell have I signed up for? <laughs> I'll tell you what. Uh, Graham, in 2002, Steve Canyon Rangers put out an album. Did they not? I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, we I'm might. Done. I'm sure we put one out in like 2000 and one or 2000 we probably we probably did we put out we weren't doing anything else so yeah there's a good Miss, chance we put mr out taylor's new home oh yes all right good stuff good stuff yeah. in 2002 wow. um well first things first we're going to get to 2002's grammy winner just to kind of set the stage what was going on musically in 2002 jeff simons you ready yep here we go it's the grammy winner don't Know Why by Nora Jones. Mr. Taylor's oh, new home. Starbucks Lobby. Brutal. Not yet. Not I yet. hate this one. Everywhere. I waited till I saw the sun. I don't know why I didn't come. Is that it? Is it just 10 seconds? Well, I mean, does anybody need more than 10 seconds of that song to know what it was? Like, that's a... That makes me miss the Clapton numbers. It really does. <laughs> I have a funny story about that song. I was at South by Southwest, uh, and I just played a set, and I was standing next to another guy who played later, and he played with, like, an 11-piece band, and he had all these dudes with him, and I was talking to him. He's like, yeah, we're on tour, and I'm unsigned, but I like a really big sound. And I was like, I don't mean to be nosy, but how are you affording... Yeah, like eleven guys on the road, and he was like, "Oh, I I co-wrote. Don't don't know why." Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, "No, do it." Do you need a twelfth musician? <laughs> so that's my that's my don't know why story. So. Good stuff. All right, well, let's see what was going else was going on in two thousand two. Graham, are you a big fan of the Olympics? Um, I am. Well, more the more the summer than the winter, I would say. Okay, well, we have some Winter Olympics. Anyone know what city they take place? In what city? In 2002? Korea? Yes. Chamonix. I don't remember. It was a very um, pure Winter Olympics. Was it Norway? It was Salt Lake City. Oh, Mitt Romney's Olympics. Mitt right? Romney's Olympics. Um, it, it came off without a hitch though, right, Jeff Simons? Uh, I believe it was uh, one of the few Olympics to make money, and then Romney ran for public office based on that accomplishment, didn't he? Yeah, and, and that's in a year where Kmart is filing for bankruptcy, U.S. Airways is filing for bankruptcy, the Enron CFO it was indicted in 2002, so uh, businesses were, were struggling a little bit. Uh, Apple came out with a product that did quite well, Anyone want to guess that product? In 2002? Yes. That's the iPod, right? That is correct. The first generation iPod, yeah. It was the second generation with 20 gigabytes. Wow. <laughs> I loved my, I, I got one of the first, like the ones that were as big as your, as a wallet and held like a hundred songs. I thought it was the most incredible thing I'd ever purchased. Right. 
that way. I love my iPod still. Yeah, me too, pretty much. Like, I loved that product. It reminded me so much of the stupid Sony Walkman. Like, I loved it yeah. that much. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I still have tons of music. Probably like y'all just have tons of music that's still only on my iPod. I, 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 don't, I don't own it. I, can't, I don't have it anywhere. Um, I can't even, there's some stuff that in, in even on, on Spotify still lives in like the little spinning wheel. <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's right. That's why you got to download Sanuti, which is iTunes backwards. It's this rip software that lets you yank it all off your iPod and throw it on anything else. So. That's good. how much I love my old iPod is I figured out how to steal the <laughs> stuff back off it and put it on the new ones. <laughs> Nudie. This is, this is what people uh, tune in for, information like that. Dude, I'm getting ripped left, right, and center. We're eight minutes in, and I'm like the asshole that caused the bad reviews. And it's the also, you earned that two-star, man. <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you what, let's get to the number one hit of 2002, which I think is gonna be a more uplifting, uh, empowering uh, message. It's the number one hit. Lose Yourself by Eminem. Opportunity sees everything you ever wanted in one moment. Did you capture it? Just let it slip. Yo. His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti, he's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop palms. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud, he opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. He's choking how? Everybody's choking now. The clock's run out. Time's up. Over. Blow. Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, there goes All right. Um, I am not a fan of M&M's. So would someone else like to step up and, um, and sell me on M&M? Did the year, did the movie Eight Mile come yeah, out that same that's, year? That's, yes. That's, this that's is the, the lead single from that soundtrack. Yeah. And if you're going to do any defense of M&M, then that's where you start. Uh, so here's what I'll say. I'm not a huge M&M guy. Um, and uh, like the late version stuff, I'm just strongly and firmly out on. I saw him at Bonnaroo twice and it's so violent and misogynistic. And I'm a person who likes hip hop and I'm like, oh, that's really violent and misogynistic. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not good at all. Um, that movie and this song express the vulnerability of it. And like he expresses how hard it was for him to come up and how hard it is for him to make as an artist in this space where he's a white person in this African-American space. Um, So that's the likable version of it. Uh, That's about the best you can do. But I I mean, like overall, I mean, generally speaking, I'm not a huge fan of white rappers and he's the number one. And he's the biggest selling rapper of all time. Like, and that's- Is he really? Oh yeah. That alone means that it's not okay. Like it's not okay that that's- Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But Ben pretty much nailed it. I will say I do love this song. I think the song is spectacular. And I think it sums, it's one of those things that sums up his whole career in six and a half minutes. Like, 
It's got all of the vulnerability. It's, it communicates a terrific story. There's so many great in, middle mid rhymes in the middle and his flow is fantastic, but I'm, uh, I'm with Ben. I'm down on the rest of it. Uh, I never liked him. And I, the thing I, I will say about Eminem is I'm similarly angry with him in the way I was angry with Kurt Cobain when we were in the late nineties, like for a guy who purported to hate attention and hate being famous and just want to be left alone. Nobody appeared on a magazine more than Eminem <laughs> in that moment. The other thing I'll say about Eminem is like, if you have your picture taken 725,000 times a year, you're going to be smiling in one of them. I mean, if you're an authentic person, you have smiled at least once over the course of the year. No and smiles from Eminem? If you look up Eminem smiling, you won't find one until like <laughs> recently. Like they're just, and, and frequently with the double middle fingers as well. Like it was such a, it was such an obvious posturing, like inauthentic display of rage that too many rageful, angry kids latched onto as an authentic, like purposeful, acceptable yep. display. And we saw it in our students. Yeah. And it was, uh, and for that, that problematic outcome of, of using an inauthentic emotion to spur authentic damaging emotions in other people for personal profit is just hard for me to, to get, get around or forgive or get behind. That said, I think the song is spectacular and it's the yeah, one Eminem song I, I will ride for. The movie is weirdly good. Yeah, like, I really remember is, actually. when they announced really? the movie, I was like, ha ha ha. And I put it out <laughs> to my wife. I was like, I can't wait to see this. It's gonna be a train wreck. And she was like, well, well what's it gonna be? I'm like, it's a freaking autobiography of this guy. <laughs> and then it came out and it was, it was really it was good. legitimately good. On a par with this song is the last scene in there, the freestyle, which my understanding is it's an actual freestyle. They actually just yeah. put him out there and he did it live and it's really? electric. Graham, did you see this movie? I, I saw that movie. I've seen it several times. And it's, I mean, you know, I guess they say that the, uh, with the fight with Drago and Rocky was, was real and, you know, to, to a degree. And I mean, it, it definitely conjures some of that, 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 that last scene. And, and it's a movie that I'll watch again. You know, I've, I've watched it several times when I, when I see it on. And it's, I mean, it's amazingly humanizing um, for somebody that like, you know, especially for me and like, I don't, I haven't listened to a lot of hip hop since 1998. So, um, you know, for, there was, there are, it has been a while and there's, you know, there's a lot of barriers out there for me to like connect with somebody like Eminem through his music. So seeing the, the movie, I mean, it's a really humanizing, um, sort of little piece from him. All right. Yeah. That's well said. So, cause how, I would I would imagine a bluegrass musician does not have a ton of time to be checking out the the hip hop aisle. Uh, <laughs> That's I mean, it was such a weird time. Records there. I mean, yeah. it's such a weird time to be a consumer of music. It, it felt like I mean, when I think back to, to two thousand two. I mean, we talked about iPods, um, but I mean, I mean, I just remember I was living in a house with our band, and I mean, everything we had was 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 out was vinyl. Right. Um, and we were just listening to old stuff on vinyl. I mean, obviously C- CDs were out there, but I, I don't, I don't remember going out to CD stores anytime, you know, after the year 2000, at least when I moved to Asheville where I am now, Yeah, I never had like a CD store here in, in Asheville where I'm, you know, would go and like I did, you know, in other towns and talk to the, everybody who worked there. And, um, 
So, yeah, I mean, there was the one part of it where we, I was really deep in traditional music and trying to really focus on that, which meant going back a couple decades. And the other part of it was, yeah, beyond, beyond the radio stations we listened to, yeah. we weren't really exposed to a lot of it. Good stuff. All right. Well, let's see if you went to the movies in 2002. I have three movie quotes. I have three contestants. Whoever guesses the movie first is the winner. Are you ready? Do it. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the kind of enthusiasm I was hoping for. I have a love in my life. It makes me stronger than anything you can imagine. Tim, you are the master of this. A okay, non-specific yeah. <laughs> generic okay. quote. Okay. And then you're like, you roll your eyes and then you're like, oh, that was Godfather 3. You're like, it, <laughs> it was my favorite movie of 2002. Uh, someone out there listening is yelling punch drunk love right now. Adam Sandler's turn. I did see that one. I like it. Serious acting. All right. Yep. <clears throat> Somebody steals from me. I cut off his hands. He offends me. I cut off his tongue. He rises against me. I cut off his head, stick it on a pike, raise it high up so all the streets can see. Paid in full. I even went into a little um, accent there for you all. Is Anything. it paid in full? It is not paid in full. All right. All right. That was, was that Joe gang. Pesci? Gangs of New York. Oh, yeah. Okay. Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, I apparently didn't go to the movies in 2002. <laughs> so then. going into the final round... Just let me check the score. <laughs> Wait, I get a half a point for guessing. We just get a <laughs> that's how it works, yeah. <laughs> All right. Last well, one. I guess a relevant movie that came out in 2002 that you'll hear about. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. I'm gonna give you uh, a piece of dialogue because you will not get it from what the first character says. Oh good. Thanks, but you <laughs> absolutely should get it from what the second character says. All right. We used to lie on the sand and let the sun dry us. And try to guess the names of the birds singing. I don't like sand. It's coarse. Oh, it's in the second horrible oh, that story. That's Anakin the Star Wars one, the prequel one. So Revenge Anakin of the Anakin hitting clones. sand is the greatest. It <laughs> yeah. makes me laugh so hard every time. <laughs> I don't like sand. It's coarse <laughs> and rough you know, and irritating and it gets Wait, it's the everywhere. second one, right? That's the it second, second one. Attack of the Clones. Graham, Attack did you have that? Them. God, I was no, no, I did not. I did not have that at all. No, I think Jeff last, got that. So it's one yeah, to a half yeah. now. But still, I would have gotten that eventually because the sand thing. I love that. Can I tell a quick George Lucas story? Oh please, dude, that movie's awful. That is the worst. <laughs> that's the worst movie made by a real filmmaker, maybe ever. I hated that movie, and I was. Uh, he lived. Uh, he lives in Marin County, and so yeah. I saw that movie in the theater he had built, so that he could go to the movies and enjoy the sound. Um, so like people were booing and laughing. Oh, it was no. not a good, not a good scene. Late, I'm in Borders in line. Remember when there were bookstores? Yeah. And, and uh, we're waiting <laughs> to pay. And there's a line like snakes back. And I realized George Lucas is two people behind me. The guys in front of me are looking at the Attack of the Clones DVD display, and they just start dunking on it just loudly like the way that like 19 year olds can just pierce through a room with just yeah. super arrogant insulting they're just ripping on it ripping on it and they, and they of course have no idea lucas is three people behind us but everybody else in the line <laughs> is like just kind of watching lucas grow more and more purple 
<laughs> and uh, they guys paid and they walked out. And the guy next to me was like, you know, the two stormtroopers are just grabbing those guys and throwing them in the trunk of Lucas's car. <laughs> like they're never going to be heard from again. Like Lucas is like, and you're done. <laughs> oh, so funny. Um. All right, my final bit from 2002, uh, a little bit of history. I get, I, I, I go to this website called the people, thepeoplehistory.com, and it just goes year by year, and it gives you all sorts of ideas and fluff. And um, here's what they had to say about the church uh, abuse, sexual abuse scandal. They called it priests' indiscretions, which I think is a very light way to describe what happened to the Catholic Church in 2002. It might more aptly be described as what, Jeff Simons? Uh, what did I say to the Archbishop of San Francisco when I had a chance? The, an international uh, pedophile shuffling of, of pedophilic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, had... uh, uh, I, I just couldn't believe they... Um, they sold it so softly on this website, given, you know, being from Boston and, you know, we ran Cardinal Law out of town. Um, this is when the Boston Globe was just publishing story after story, uh, uncovering this entire scandal. My mother, of course, canceled her subscription to the Boston Globe because of what they were doing to her church. I was like, mom, maybe. So she's a frequent listener to the podcast, I'm learning. She I'm is just, not. She's, she's not going to yeah. be listening. Um, <laughs> And if I find out she starts listening, I will go back and cut this from 2002. You can just give her a different 2002 where all the songs are like Ave Maria. <laughs> she'll be fine. Still number one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> number one with the bullets in 1618. Here we go. Let's get to our three songs. Our three songs. For 2002 is our four songs. Graham, you are our guest. What do you think was the best song from the year 2002? I think it was um, Elvis Presley Blues from wow. uh, Gillian and Gillian Welch and David Rollins' record of that year. It's called Time the Revelator. And um, I mean, it's. You know, it took me a while to it took me a while to fall in love with with Gillian Welsh and David Rollins and what they did. Um, you know, it's so generally kind of off pace, um, and um, you know, it's a kind of a dark hole that you got to let yourself kind of sink down into and 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 will yourself to stay there for a while if it doesn't grab you immediately, but. You know, just this song that's Elvis Presley Blues. I mean, it's got all these very familiar um, motifs, you know, whether it's the guitar line, you know, it sounds like uh, Lewis Collins when she's, when he starts playing the guitar, that old John Hurt style thing. And then she's singing about um, Elvis Presley, you know, shaking it like a Harlem queen and a chorus girl and stuff like that. And, uh, and the harmony that these these two sing, I mean, the way they sing harmony together is like, I don't, I don't know if there's any two people I've ever heard who sing harmony like they do. It's a, uh, it's haunting. I mean, it's a little bit like what the Lubin brothers would do, 
um, where sometimes you don't really quite know who's in the lead and who's what and is what's where, but um, it's, I mean, even going back, going back now, it stands out as, you know, for me as far and away the best record of that year. You got it ready, Jeff? I do. But first I have to ask if you have the other half of this amulet, because I said almost exactly all the same stuff about the title track uh, last week. So here we go. Always present. Wow. <laughs> I was thinking that night about Elvis. Did he die? Did he die? I was thinking that night about Elvis. Did he die? Did he die? Just a country boy combed his hair Put on a shirt his mother made And went on the air And he shook it like a chorus girl And he shook it like a Harlem queen Chicken like a midnight ramble, baby, like he never seen, like he never seen, never seen. I was Good stuff. Solid. Since uh since you talked about it last week, Jeff, I, I've been listening to it and it's just this sets the mood for the whole house. And when you have uh, four okay. children running around, two of them trying to learn virtually, well, it was a lovely, <laughs> lovely little Good settling mood. record to be able to play as I, uh, as I was able to do my own thing. Is, by the way, before we go any further, Gillian or Jillian? Gillian? Yeah, I've Jillian? I don't know. I got no clue. I gave it the G, the hard G. Gillian, if you're listening... Which you please, are. Please tweet us. <laughs> <laughs> tweet us, yeah. I don't think hard, those guys tweet, right? Like hard the, G or soft G. They would get like calligraphic 19th century stationery that explained the, the spelling. Hey, are they making a record now? What, what's the latest with them? The, are they still together as a group known as Gillian Welch? Yeah, they, they put out uh, like three dozen outtakes from this period on Bandcamp over the last six months. A lot but of I mean, really, any new music? Uh, I think the last one was three or four years ago. There's a Rolling Span record from last year, right? Yeah, there is. But I don't think one under her name's come out since like 16 or maybe even, is it 2011? When was Heroin the Harvest? A long time ago now. Yeah, it's been been a while. You know, I mean, this last batch came about, the story I heard was in the aftermath of the hurricane that came through there. So last year, um, they hit Nashville so hard. Hmm. not the hurricane, the tornado, tornado. Um, okay. that, that hit Nashville so hard. Um, they were kind of putting things, salvaging stuff, what they could and putting things together and came across all this uh, material, which was these last few records, these last few releases of this year. Cool. Um, all right. Before we go on, I don't know if either of you uh, heard Brian Koppelman's uh, podcast, The Moment, where he had Mike Campbell on. Did either of you hear that? That was, that was great. It was so neat to hear him talk about Tom Petty 
um, and the relationship they had and, and, and what it's like trying to, trying to play music without him. Um, and then I, I went and listened to that album. Have you guys, what, what's the name of his band? The Dirty Knobs. Did you like it, the album? I did. I, I, um, I, the ghosts of Petty are just everywhere oh, all yeah. over it. Oh, but over. Um, it's a good band. They play well. And I just like hearing Mike play and yeah. make music. You know, I actually had tickets to see them, uh, and then COVID shut down that show and everything else I was going to do. <sighs> the COVID. Hopefully, they'll come back to town. All I right, Jeff. Who sings? Mike. Mike Campbell does, sings. Yeah. Actually, yeah, he's pretty good. He's I mean, good. he's yeah, a beautiful I mean, back. I mean, I've heard him. Yeah, sing I mean, it's like that kind of shows. Yeah, I mean, he he's uh, he's imitative of Tom. How could you not be in a band with Tom for fifty <laughs> right. years and not like lean into that a little bit when you sing lead? But on the there are some songs where he really sounds confident and there are some where he, he sounds like a background singer taking a lead vocal, but it's okay. I mean, it's, it's well, super well-written. The band is uh, tight, yeah. real sharp. Yeah. yeah. And I'm rooting for him. Like I'm, I want him and Ben to keep playing and just keep making music. So. All right, Graham, this is a chance to bail out. Give me a little, now I want to hear, I want to hear the rest of, I want to hear the rest of All you right. do. All right, really let's go, bad. gentlemen. I, like I missed a lot of it, you know. So the the shtick is that that I always go last, Graham, because I always have the best the best pick. Um, Only fair. So Ben, you went first last week. Jeff, you go first. Okay, my pick this week is the is by far and away the the song no one will have ever heard of. Um, oh. This is my most obscure pick in the entire fifty year run that we're gonna do. Wow. So, uh, so you're gonna have to forgive me for like a real, just out of the out of nowhere. But this song absolutely knocked me on my ass the first time I heard it, and it continues to. So this is this is the same South by Southwest as uh, my little story about the the don't know why guy. But I uh, was playing with Rich Price, and we had a really really awesome showcase at a volleyball. At I know. A restaurant with a beach volleyball in the backyard. And that's where we played. We played on a stage next to the volleyball court. So <laughs> it was really like a high quality showcase. But you the couldn't guy, have learned a couple names while you were there? The no. guy uh, who played after us was a singer songwriter named Dan Byrne, who I'd never heard before. And I thought he was great. The band was great. But what we both got screwed by Chris, Chris Whitley. I don't know if you remember Chris Whitley, but he was a. Uh, a really terrific ghostly guitar player and everyone at South by Southwest is supposed to play for 50 minutes and then get off the stage. Whitley played for 85 and just didn't, just wouldn't come off the stage. So both Rich and Dan, we both got like 20 minute sets. Um, but Dan really made the most of his. He was, he was hilarious. He was great. Um, and so I, I bought his EP that he was selling um, took it home. And, and when I got home and the last song on it is a song called Lithuania um, and it's 11 minutes long and it's Dan Byrne trying to make sense of his Americanness with his lost uh, relatives who were killed in the Holocaust. And oh. so the first part of the song is just name checking all these people that he'd only ever heard of and had never met because they didn't get out. And, and then talking about like the responsibility he feels as an American to keep living and to, to live for the people who couldn't live. And it starts with like this idea of trying to understand the American automobile as a symbol of American freedom and the, and then 
And it's a kind of a talk, Bob Dylan kind of talk song thing. And then he brings in this piano and it becomes a whole other thing. And it becomes a love song to love in general on this particular person. Um, you, if you'll indulge me, I want to play two different moments because the song has so many different moods. But these two moments in particular really um, knock me out. So here's, here's from the first part where he's, he's kind of doing this kind of sing-songy history of his family's past and his American present. Lithuania by Dan Byrne. American could write an elegy to the automobile, but when I jump in, it doesn't give me any place different. Sometimes I want to dance on Hitler's grave and shout out Groucho Marx, Lenny Bruce, Leonard Cohen, Philip Roth, Bob Dylan, Albert Einstein, Leonard Bernstein, Harry Houdini, Sandy Koufax. And then I want to sing as loud as I can, watch the chandelier sway dangerously overhead. Proclaiming Kristallnacht is over I say Kristallnacht is over The only broken glass tonight Will be from wedding glasses Shattered under boot heels We're not the ones in the museum And three minutes later, it becomes this whole other thing where he's built up the arrangement and he, he latches on to this just gorgeous melody. Um, so let me just jump to that real quick, if you don't mind. Here we go. The end of the century is coming Like a blind woman relentlessly spinning but before your song shut, you wanted to scream. Hold on just a minute. Was this just a dream? Or is there something to learn besides who got the gold and who's been losing and winning? But a century's man made process an attempt to stick order on chaos We're born with ten fingers So we count up to ten But if everyone counted the cracks on the wall Might all count to three And then it wouldn't be The end of the century at all minute limit but the song's basically got five parts they all work together uh it's tremendously moving it's so well written it's simple and complex and it's vulnerable and powerful and uh 
If you haven't heard Dan Byrne, I highly recommend him. And I recommend this EP. It's called the Swastika EP. And it's, uh, there's an unhilarious Dylan parody called the Talkin' Al-Qaeda Blues. And it came out right after um, the first Bush started the war with Iraq. And, you know, he does this hilarious Bush impression. And there's a great long story song about being arrested for having a joint in the, in the glove compartment in Texas called Jail. And it's a, I mean, he packs just a whole lifetime worth of good songwriting yeah. into that, into five songs. And he's got like, he's unbelievably prolific. He's got like 20 albums. Um, did he write Jerusalem? Is that one of his songs? Yeah, that's the, that's the, probably the one people most know. Yeah. Which is yeah. just a great song. He wrote a hilarious song about Tiger Woods and he's, he rides the line. Like he has songs that are genuinely hilarious, but also at the same time, really thoughtful which is a hard thing to pull off usually when you go for right. the for the joke like you pigeonhole yourself but anyway dan Byrne, that's my pick dan Byrne, yeah so i i love this one that's great uh, this was on the this was one of the four my four finalists for this one um, and it's a jeff selection all the way so i was gonna let him have the glory i uh i grew up in brooklyn and i had a like a like basically all my friends were jewish or italian or irish those were that was everybody who i knew and I think it's either second grade, multiple times. I kept going, you know, you, you go to public school and you go to the same kids. And there's a girl whose, whose grandparents were in Auschwitz and they, they would come in and they would come in and they'd pull up the sleeve and show the numbers and tell the story. Yeah. And uh, it's obviously that's just burned on my brain. Um, this song is so powerful and beautiful and the wrestling with all of that. Uh, there's a stanza that Jeff didn't do. So he's talking about his dad and it says dad is from Lithuania. So I saw my dad tell jokes and teaching me how to laugh 30 years after his parents and brothers and sister were all shot, murdered in the streets of Lithuania. Wow. I see trees growing tall and the sun coming up and the ocean roaring home. And I know I must go on. I must go on. And then just earlier, you get a flavor from what Jeff played. It's such a depressed song. I mean, like, I don't know if this is what he's actually like, but he's expressing this just like deep, deep, deep depression, dealing with the past and his present. I mean, he's got a current, a present that he's like not super psyched about either. I must go on. It would be cowardly to stop. It'd be an aberration to do anything else. else. So powerful, so powerful. And that's just like wrestling with this. I thought about this, like here, this is this little kid who was in my class with me, who I knew and here are grandparents. And I was like, how do you possibly live through this and Mm. then have grandkids and then you have kids and then grandkids and then show up in Brooklyn and, and be like, yeah, you know, like I own this deli. That's what I yeah. do. Like that's how, that's I was like, how do you freaking possibly go on from that? And the song right. just like perfectly captures it. It's amazing. And um, it's just a perfect example of tragedy and art. Like just, yep. I love this one. And Dan is, I mean, I, I don't know Dan very well, but I've played a couple, he lives in uh, the Barry and I played a couple shows with him. And the last show I played with him was a holiday show. And he had the whole crowd doing the dreidel song like it was the national anthem i mean he's just like he is just like such a big uh, like expressive personality you hit it on the head ben like i think he definitely uh lives that sense of responsibility for joy that the song talks about in that verse now, did, did you and rich have to follow him did you have to follow lithuania no, he didn't play first? Lithuania. Like he, I mean, he only had oh, okay. minutes, right? So he went for the, you know, he played Jerusalem, which is the song everybody knew. And he played a couple of up-tempo stuff. And then they, that's why Lithuania just blew me. I got home. 
Oh, and, I know, see. and it's the last song. So like, you know, I, I recognized two or three and then I hit that song and it was like, you know, it's Whoa. Like yeah. being hit by a frying pan, you know, I just like stopped what I was doing immediately and just sat down. So. All right. Well, I will be changing the mood of the plain household tomorrow during virtual learning when I play that one. <laughs> God. Uh, all right. Ben Barton. What oh, do you yeah. do? I'm going to change the mood right now. Right now. Right. So in 2001, Jay-Z's The Blueprint comes out. And I was like, a, I was like kind of keeping tabs on Jay-Z. I was interested in him, but he was never my favorite. And I know that's wrong. Some people prefer the 90s stuff, but that was the record that really blew me away. And in particular, the H-O-V-A parentheses Izzo. The first time I heard that on the radio, I was just like, ah! like I just pulled the car over and I just listened to the whole thing, went right to the record store, bought it. And it's the first huge hit that Kanye West produced. He's basically now the, co- the house producer at Rockefeller in 2001. And this is how much I dug that record and that song. I was just in. Like, I was just like, whatever that dude puts out, don't care, gonna listen to it. It was like he was on the Rick Rubin list for me. Like, whatever, whatever record that guy cut, I was gonna check out. Uh, so fast forward to 2004, Cameron's Purple Haze comes out. And I got that, loved that, and then went backwards into the Cameron thing. So Cameron's a dude from Harlem who's like a B-list Rockefeller guy. And then humorously, he was uh, not pleased with the sales of Purple Haze until we got in a pissing match with Jay-Z. And that's why you've never heard of him. (laughs) That was pretty much (laughs) all that ever happened. I mean, he's lucky to have walked away alive, I'm sure. But that was it for him, pretty much. He moved off Rockefeller and uh, that was it for him. But the 2002 record's got two singles on it, and the second single is just a perfect, perfect, happy hip-hop song. So I'll frequently tell stories about these songs. Um, This is not a story. This is a vibe. The windows are down. The girls and I are in the car. Radio's as loud as it can. And it's always best when it's on shuffle. It's on shuffle. This song comes up. We sing right along with it. And just before you hit it, Jeff... (laughs) The first rapper is not Cameron, it's, um, it's Jewel Santana. So this is an actual 18-year-old from Harlem who was a buddy of Cameron's brother, and they brought him on. And the first rap line in the song is, I'm 18, live a crazy life. And now my daughters are 19 and 17, and they freaking love it. Like, they're just rapping along with this completely. Jeff, Hey Ma, Cameron. Hey Ma by Cameron. Yo, now it's downtown clubbing, ladies night Seen shorty, she was crazy right And I approached baby light Mom, what's your age and type? She looked at me and said, you's a baby, right? I told her, I'm 18 and live a crazy life Plus I tell you what the 80s like And I know what the ladies like Need a man that's polite Listens and takes advice I could be all three 
Plus, I can lay the pipe. Come with me, come stay tonight. She looked at me laughing, like, boy, your game is tight. I'm laughing back, like, sure, you're right. Get in the car, and don't touch nothing. Sit in the car, let's discuss something. Either we love it or I see you tomorrow. Now we speeding up the west side, hand creeping up a left side. I'm ready to do it, ready to bone, ready for dome. 55th exit, damn, damn, already we home. Now let's get it on. So with the girls, I'm freaking we'll get in the he's car so and be like, subtle. get in the car. Don't touch nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, like this is like on the Will Smith summertime or the Lizzo yeah. good as hell vibe. Like I just love this version of hip hop and we haven't had it yet. Like most of the stuff I've done has been pretty aggressive. I just love this like laid back. I smoke, I drink, we get high. We're going to do it tonight. Like just awesome. I love this one. Yeah, this is such a Ben pick. I this song reminds me of that great story Dave Chappelle tells of having young Conway Kanye be a guest on his show before he'd done TV yet. And so Kanye, they record Kanye live, and then he's like, "Hey, you want to see some sketches?" And uh, so he's sitting there, they're all watching like you know the Rick James thing before it had aired, and and he said, and he says, "I knew Kanye was going to be a huge star because his phone rang," and he he said, "You've got Kanye." No, I'm not doing that because I'm sitting here with Dave Chappelle watching sketches no one's ever seen because I'm dope and I do dope shit. And he hung up. <laughs> oh, dude, you know, and that's the that's uh, he appeared live with Common and that's yeah. a song called The Food and it's a banger. Yeah. Anyway, I think of, uh, this is that same that same really like light hilarious braggadocio that like just makes me just makes me smile it doesn't feel it doesn't have the uh doesn't have anything but uh a good time vibe to it i i i can't believe uh throughout these what 17 years of fatherhood now i haven't had that line handy because i'm dope and i do dope shit that's just (laughs) i have spoken that is it (laughs) uh ben who was that Cameron, C-A-M-R-O-N. Hey, Ma. That's, that's great stuff. That's great stuff. I, I can't wait to hear that. All right. I, yeah, I'm going to ruin the vibe. So you ruined Jeff's vibe. Now I'm going to ruin your vibe. Um, the album for me is Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. And, and it, it could not be that. Um, and I know I've already picked Billy Bragg and Wilco with California Stars. Um, and I was really debating, do I want to be out on Wilco this early? Because Graham, we, you can only pick an artist twice. And then that artist is done uh, for the 50 years. Yeah. So what, do you, I, got, what do you got left from, from Wilco after, after that? There's a lot of good stuff to leave on the table from 2000. I I got, I, I'm going to pick up the Wilco. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank flag. you. I'll pick, I'm, I'm like the guy who picks up the flag and runs with it in glory. Don't worry. But I, I couldn't. Oh, I got a bad feeling about your selection, Jeff. Already about Jeff's pre- selection? Oh, yeah. He's already pre-angry about my Wilco selection. Like seven years from now. That'll be fine. <laughs> um, and uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, I, I, I don't know what to pick. Um, so I've been playing it over and over again the last few days. And the one, this would not have been my pick in 2002, but it's my pick right now. And that is Pot Kettle Black. Oh, I love this one. Pot Kettle Black by Wilco.
You know, it's, it's, it's just weird enough for me to think I am avant-garde. Uh, and yet it's also, it's got a, a structure and a, uh, and a vocal style that I'm like, ah, this is normal. Because it's the next song, right, where things just start to, they just start to make all sorts of noises in the studio. Yeah, but that, that's the genius of that record is even, you love this record. This love record's this record. like challenging and and it's got some outre stuff on it and it's totally accessible and it's not pretentious at all like i mean you love this record even with all of its quirks and and all of its all the kind of sideways moves that it makes right what do you think Do do you think that whole being dropped by the label was all just like a new coke publicity deal and they knew they had spike jones filming a documentary. No, and, no, I don't at all. Because it's it the same company that picks them up and signs up to a new contract. But it's a different label within the company. That was totally a, I mean, that was totally like, we don't hear a hit single. We're three albums in with these guys. They're, they're looking like they're going to be a cult band that sells 50,000 copies. And we're, we're about the big hit. And so I think they, they, the genius thing was they put Wilco Hotel, they put the record up for free on their website when people weren't doing that yet. That whole fall, and they, because they were supposed to tour the record, and right, there was right. no record. And I saw them that, that fall, like, and I knew all the songs from downloading it from the website. And like everybody who went to that show that, that night knew every word of every <laughs> song. And then we all went out and bought the record when it came out, even though we, are, we, we already, already had, had it downloaded. It. And a moment of solidarity. And they, I think they, I mean, there's a whole generation of dudes like me that will listen to everything they do and as long as they exist. Like, I don't think that was a, a setup at all. I think they were, okay. they're incredibly lucky. I think they, they were staring at the, the brink and, and they weren't that lucky. I mean, you know, Jay Bennett, the band, that, that right. version of the band breaks up and poor Jay Bennett's no longer with us. I mean, there were casualties from that. Right. For sure. Yeah, I saw that same tour with my brother, uh, Mercury Ballroom in New York. And yeah, it was amazing. They were so good. And the material was uh, was great. It was, in my opinion, such a leap, such a massive leap right. for them. Um, this is a super interesting call by you, Timmy. Not oh, yeah? trying to break your heart or heavy metal drummer or I'm the man who loves you. So I outgrew heavy metal drummer in like 2005. So I was... I. But I hear you with uh, I'm I'm trying to break your heart, um, Jesus, etc. I, I, I think I think camera's great, um, but yeah, the, the last few days, Pocket of Black. I'm like, oh, this is great. There are just so many great songs, one after the other on this album. I'm not sure there's a bad one on that record. I think Jesus, etc. is my current obsession, but 
Well, it's so funny. It's got strings. And I know how Ben feels about strings. <laughs> it doesn't have strings. It has a violin. Totally different. Strings is like in the background, like 80 amorphous strings just going. <laughs> There's like a terrific violin player on just a whole, a whole different thing. Are you right, right. right, Ben? Like, you're with me. Is that oh, different, yeah, no, I Ben? For that. All right, I, the, I need the funny thing about it is, though, I couldn't choose any song from this record because the current version of the band, live yeah. versions and arrangements, in my opinion, so superior. Right. So, like, and they, right. As soon as Pot Kettle Black came on, I was like, huh. Yeah, this is right. Like, I don't remember. Yeah. Like, it's all yeah. like muddy, doesn't sound right. And, th and then I was like, oh, that's right. Because it's my favorite version. version is like that Chicago 2012 version. Oh, oh God, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, it's a little bit like basically, this was a huge leap forward for them, but the band's not as good as the current bands. Like, they, no, in my opinion, they definitely. just don't touch the current band. Yeah, yeah, that, you, live version, that live version is spectacular. It really is. You're right about that. Um, I've discovered my Christmas tree has about 10,000 bugs crawling from it. From it right <laughs> oh, now. my God. And uh, what? Not really sure what kind of farm it came from. Is but, it uh, a stink bugs? Obviously okay. infested. They look like ticks. I'm not sure. Oh, oh that's, that's bad. That's no, not I don't good. Think and and I don't Whoa. think just because you're in a, just you're in a bluegrass is... band, I don't think you have to keep it that real. <laughs> But they, they always wow. did, and then every once in a while, in unison, you know, they'll start moving again together. So oh I'm gonna get God. a dustpan. All right. <laughs> well, I mean, that's it for the podcast. How do we? How do we top that? <laughs> Jeff Simons, your new album is out right it, now. It is out. It is out. I just did a, a, a interview with a great guy in New Zealand who has a blog called The Thirteenth Floor named Marty Duda that you can see that. Um, that right. was a really fun interview. I've been added. I'm apparently an Australasian tour is the way to go. I've, I'm on three Australia radio playlists. And this guy in New Zealand was a fan who cold called me about an interview. So I will going to build, roadie. I'm going to build the army oh. of followers there and then work my way back to the United States. So. <laughs> I'll open. Great. Yeah. Great. Uh, Graham, when, when are you going out again? When are you, I have no idea. Get a vaccine? You know, March, is, March is the closest thing we have stuff booked for. Uh, okay. And, you know, those are drive-ins and, and distanced-type shows, all that stuff. So, you know, every, everybody is still jittery about booking stuff. So, you know, everything that gets booked now is still sort of this distanced uh, sort of framework. So, All right. Yep, just slogging well, through the winter, me and the. And I'll do the I'll do the shout out. I saw y'all at Bonnaroo with Steve Martin, and I saw you at the Bijou in Knoxville, Tennessee. Just you guys, and it's a fantastic show. Yeah, yeah. man, it is. It is great. Thanks, bro. Well, we've we've only had one Grammy winner on our uh, on our podcast, and you're it. Yeah, so right. far. That's <laughs> so far. We'll see. We'll see who's coming up next. Come All on. right. Thanks, fellas. Graham, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, man. That was great. Adios, thanks thank you, Graham. All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Later, friends. Hey, if you're having as much fun as we are, leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a rating on Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to podcasts, give us a shout. And then check us out on Twitter or at our Facebook page, 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys.
Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric acid. Electric acid.